welcome to another episode of the Mystical Moon Society podcast. My name is Mandy and we have a pretty interesting topic today that seems to be kind of divisive each time I see it being discussed and that is the topic of Ouija boards. The Ouija board was originally patented and marketed as a divination tool or a spirit board used to communicate with the dead. It reached beyond the veil to communicate with loved ones who had passed. It wasn't until about a hundred years later, after the board was first created and sold to the public, that it seemed to earn its scarlet letter and what's known to be not just a board that communicates with those who are no longer living, but instead possibly a portal to hell. It's hard to get through Halloween season without hearing about seances or seeing the Ouija board in some capacity on television or in new scary movies that seem to be coming out. The Ouija board has always held a certain mystique where you might go into it playing around like it's just a game, but in the end, something else could come through. But Ouija didn't always have a sinister past. The origins of Ouija were a little more simple back then. Let's dive into the origins of the Ouija board. In the 1800s, spiritualism was intertwined into American culture in a pretty big way. What we call spiritualism today began in Europe in the early to mid-1800s. Seances and speaking with the dead were normal parlor room talk, and it made its way to America in the early 1860s. So when we think about what's going on in America during this time in the early 1860s, we come across the Civil War. Casualty numbers were definitely very high, and death remained a constant on everyone's minds at this time across the nation. Spiritual interests in communicating with lost loved ones seem to endure through to the 1890s. In the 1890s, patents and marketing on talking boards seemed to become really popular in the day. Occult subjects were still on everyone's minds. People were still trying to communicate with lost loved ones they had lost in the war. And the patent that became the most popular out of all of these talking boards was created by Elijah Bond, Charles Kennard, and William H.A. Maupin. The origin of the name for the board Ouija has not been largely agreed upon, but some claim that the board spelled its own name during a seance session, which is kind of cool to think about. And others claim that it originates from an ancient Egyptian term for good luck. There are several ads from that era that the Ouija board was placed in that advertises the Ouija board as being derived from an ancient Egyptian tool. So to me, that one probably makes the most sense with the Egyptian word for good luck. So let's talk about what attracted Americans to the Ouija board when it was first introduced to the public in the 1890s. As I mentioned, European spiritualism tackled many subjects of the occult. It wasn't unusual to go see a tarot card reader or to invite party guests over to have a seance with you to commune with the dead. It was probably done more on a hush-hush level. I don't think it was 
completely out in the open because the Catholic Church still definitely had a big reign in Europe at this time. But these occult subjects made their way into the American spiritualism era in the mid-1800s, and it lasted well into the 20th century. Americans loved the sort of easy DIY spiritualism that they could do at home. As we mentioned earlier, Normal parlor room talk during these times did consist of occult topics like divination. So seances were routinely held, men and women both participated, and connecting to loved ones they lost tragically in the war was attractive to many Americans at the time. Many don't know this, but Mary Todd Lincoln, Abraham Lincoln's wife, was considered a spiritualist. She even conducted her own seance in April of 1863 in the Crimson Room of the White House. That just kind of illustrates how big spiritualism was during this time in American history. It embedded itself into our culture, and thus the Ouija board was created. Along with the Ouija board, American spiritualists used other forms to communicate with the dead. Previous to to the Ouija board, things like seances, automatic writing, mediumship, and other similar activities were thought to help us go beyond the veil and reach out to those that were in the spirit world. Ouija soon became very popular over these methods, however, because it was definitely easier. It allowed you to bypass having a bona fide medium at the table with you, and the larger wooden planchettes that were originally used with wheels on the bottom to do automatic writing were eliminated, and a smaller planchette was used for the Ouija instead. The smaller planchette that came with the commercialized board originally sold for $1.50, and it has continued to be a recognizable icon in American occult culture, even to present times. So the board that you see today being sold in stores and marketed as a board game, the look of it is very similar to the very first Ouija board that was sold in 1890. And the look has not varied much since then. The original patent has been maintained. You'll see a lot of collector boards being made today, being advertised as Ouija boards, but the name Ouija is kind of synonymous the way that we might use the word Kleenex. The brand name has gone on to just describe the actual product, even if it's not the actual brand that's selling it. So Ouija, even if the original patent isn't used for some of these collector boards that you might see, um, Ouija is just synonymous with talking boards now. The original Ouija board started to gain momentum and popularity when artists, actors, and authors became completely enthralled with it. Famous American painter Norman Rockwell even painted painted a satire of a woman and man using the board together in the early 1920s that was published in the Saturday Evening Post. And I absolutely love this painting. I had to go look at it whenever I first learned about it. I never knew that Norman Rockwell painted anything like a Ouija board, but it just describes perfectly what was going on during the era that the Ouija board became popular. The Victorian era was reaching its peak at this time when the board was first published. And what better excuse to get the girl of your dreams that you're not really allowed to be alone with anywhere or talk to alone during the Victorian era when everything was extremely popular. But 
a good excuse to get close to the person that you like was to request a Ouija board session. And in this Norman Rockwell painting, it's just perfect because it's a young girl and young guy and they have their knees completely together, kind of flirtatiously, and the board is set right across their laps and their hands are touching on the planchette. And it just goes to show that the Ouija board wasn't considered this evil, sinister thing at the time. It was just kind of a parlor game. It still had that occult mystique to it, but it had more of an innocent flair than it does today. Then moving forward to 1966, the original family who owned the rights and patent to the original Ouija board sold it to the Parker Brothers, and then they marketed the board the following year in 1967. That year, the Ouija board as we know it today became so popular that it outsold Monopoly. That's how quickly this game became a household name, which just, it's crazy to think about that the Ouija board would outsell Monopoly. I mean, how many people own a Monopoly board today? Just think, in the late 60s, even more people had a Ouija board in their game closet somewhere. I don't know why, but the thought of that just kind of blows my mind. So during the late 1960s, we've now reached the Woodstock era in American culture, and we see a rise in spiritualism again during this time in this country just like we did in the 1860s. Almost a hundred years later, we're back where it all began. Eastern philosophy and practices are now making their way into the culture, and there was basically an additional occult revival at this time, which helped the Ouija board to really flourish and kind of cement its place in American occultism. Young people especially embraced the Ouija board. Ouija board sessions were being held across the country, in homes, dorm rooms, sleepovers, you name it. The Ouija board was definitely the cool thing to do at this time. So it's the late 1960s in America and the Ouija board has become a household name. How in the world did this seemingly innocent board go from being just a spiritual tool to a board game that kids and teens can play with in the comfort of their own homes to basically being an infamous backdoor to hell. How did we make the jump from something seemingly innocent and flirtatious in the Victorian era to just something to be feared and not spoken of? What happened in between there? Well, it wasn't until the 20th century that the Catholic Church and even the horror movie industry rebranded the game as a doorway to the demonic. In 1919, Pope Pius X commissioned a book warning American Catholics about the Ouija board titled The New Black Magic and the Truth About the Ouija Board. Despite warnings from the church, sales of the board still soared, peaking in the 1960s. Even though the Catholic Church condemned the Ouija board in the early 1900s, it really didn't earn its sinister reputation until 1971 when Blatty's novel, which was soon turned into a movie known as The Exorcist, you may have heard of it, that the Ouija board really cemented itself into people's imaginations as scary, horrific, or even a portal to bringing in souls that were 
or damned or even demons. William Peter Blatty originally wrote The Exorcist based on an actual account of a young boy who had been introduced to a Ouija board by his spiritual aunt, and claims are that he became possessed shortly after his aunt died. The author took this story, basically ran with it, and filled in the gaps himself. So once Hollywood decided to take hold of this story, the Ouija board would never be seen the same way again. This resulted in a widespread national obsession with exorcism and the demonic, and the Ouija board was stamped in with both of those. So there we have it. The Ouija board we know today never began with some dark and sinister past. It was born out of a movement that was always meant to just connect us to the ethereal world and our lost loved ones beyond the veil. It then evolved into a flirtatious parlor game and eventually found its way back to its occult and spiritualist origins, but it was ultimately no match when it was faced with scrutiny by the Catholic Church and later turned into a portal to hell by scrutiny writers in Hollywood. So I'm curious to know what your thoughts are on the Ouija board. Are your thoughts about the Ouija board negative? Do those negative thoughts perhaps originate from movies you may have seen or stories told to you by a friend of a friend of a friend? Or maybe you even experienced a negative Ouija session yourself that kind of turned you away from anything having to do with divination or the occult. I have definitely had my own experiences with the Ouija board. It's a tool that has always fascinated me, but just like so many out there, I never viewed it as a tool when I first learned about the Ouija. It always seemed like just something to get an adrenaline rush out of. Maybe you would end up talking to someone on the other side. Maybe something else would come through. It was sort of a rebellious act that I wanted to do or partake in during a sleepover when you're telling spooky ghost stories and you're just trying to do something to psych yourself out. But now, after learning and educating myself more on subjects of the occult, specifically divination tools, items that are used to tell the future maybe, or tell of events that may happen, has definitely intrigued me as of late. I have looked into divination tools like scrying into water bowls, scrying into mirrors, automatic writing, as we discussed earlier, that was very popular during the original spiritualist movement here in America. But the Ouija board is something that still holds that mystique. There is an, something about the Ouija board that will always be mysterious to us because we are interacting with the board. It's not like going to a palm reader where they are the source of information or a tarot card reader who may be reading the cards to you. No, the Ouija board is something a little more personal. And I think that's what strikes a note with so many people. It's that DIY touch that we talked about earlier, the do-it-yourself kind of spiritualism that comes through with the board. You are physically touching this divination tool. You are putting your essence into it, your energy, and the results that come from that just make it a little more personal and maybe even scary to some people. 
So for this next half of the podcast, I'm going to kind of ask you to leave any preconceived notions about Ouija at the door. Come in with an open mind and let's discuss maybe some safe practices to conduct if and when you're going to use a Ouija board. And I'd just like to say that in my opinion, there is nothing wrong with using a divination tool. And to me, that's all the Ouija board is. In all practices of divination, you should always, always, always protect yourself. You should form a circle of protection around you. And I definitely recommend checking out one of our previous episodes where Cecilia goes into the basics of casting a circle around you. That's extremely helpful in allowing you to create an environment that is protective and calming and only allows spirits or entities that you invite forward. So if anyone out there needs permission maybe to use a Ouija board, this is it right here. I'm giving you complete permission. There is nothing that can harm you if you don't allow it. And that goes for every area in your life. The board is all about intention, which any kind of magical life you lead is all about intention. And I talk a lot about the law of attraction and it's no different here. The board doesn't have to be something dark and scary and spooky. Can it let in things that may try to scare you to try to get that adrenaline rush going. Yeah. Is it a complete portal to hell? No, I don't think so. But like I asked before, leave those preconceived opinions, those notions behind, and let's move forward into a safe way to use the Ouija board. So my number one rule above all when using the board or any kind of divination tool is to be respectful. If you have used a Ouija board before, maybe it was at a sleepover or at a girl's night or anything like that, if you think about those times when something kind of spooky or scary happened that made you want to put the board away, I'm just going to ask, did you set the intention that you were only going to allow good and peaceful things to come through, good peaceful messages for you? Or did you just leave it open? Or in the back of your mind, were you thinking, I hope something really scary happens tonight that I can tell about later? If something like that was going through you or anyone else's mind, that probably probably set the stage to allow trickster spirits to come through and things could happen like TVs turning on or maybe knocks are being heard, things like that. And it doesn't mean that you're going to become possessed or you let something completely darken that you can't get rid of. No, but you probably did let in a trickster spirit that was playing a joke on you. So just be mindful of that as you're moving forward. It's totally okay to use a spirit board as long as a respectful boundary is placed by you and with the spirit world. So let's get into the basics of using the Ouija board. So first off, we talked about having a respectful area set. Number one, I'm going to say is to set that mood, the ambiance. Darkness is common for use in spiritual work for a reason, because many believe it's when the veil is thinnest and it makes communication with the spirit world even easier. It kind of eliminates that spiritual veil between us and them. Second on the list of using your Ouija board 
is be sure to light your candles. I love to make a very well lit area in the darkness for myself. For me, lighting a candle has always signified communing with my spirit guides, with my angels, with my loved ones on the other side. It's all about prayer to me and intention is definitely being set anytime I have candles around me. Next, I would reiterate to cast a protective circle. And like I mentioned before, go ahead and go listen to that podcast episode that we have that details everything in there for you. Next on the list is to lightly place your fingers on the planchette. Once you have cast your circle and you are in a good state of mind, you're calm, you have told which spirits you're wanting to communicate with, and you have your fingers on the planchette, allow the board to just kind of warm up with your energy. It's common that the planchette may not move for the first few minutes, but just let your energy sink in with the energy of the board. Visualize who you want to speak with and remember that you are always in control, always. If you ever feel uncomfortable during a session, just go ahead and stop. Say goodbye on the board. There's a place on the board that spells out goodbye. Make sure to place your planchette over the words goodbye. I like to do it one to three times just to make sure I've definitely closed anything that I've opened. I stop and I take a little break and I'm totally good to try later. One thing I do want to caution about a Ouija board session is never go into a spirit board session thinking it's just a game. Sure, Parker Brothers wants to sell it to ages eight and up, but I would never allow any kids to use any form of divination tool or spiritual tool when they aren't versed on how to first protect themselves or anything like that. So I don't agree with the board being marketed as a game. I don't think it's a game. I think it's a tool that we can definitely use, but to be respectful always of the board and make sure that the spirits you are conversing with are also respectful of you and your boundaries. If you encounter something that seems to be okay at first, but then you start seeing maybe swear words are being spelled, that's not very love and light. So I kind of guide that away. I tell them, no, I'm not going to be conversing with anyone that's like that. Please get out of my circle. You are not allowed here. And I will just end the session at that point. But usually my sessions are pretty good now that I follow these kind of spiritual rules now, anytime I'm using any kind of divination tool. And I use these rules anytime I'm scrying, anytime I'm doing automatic writing, anytime I allow myself to be kind of an open vessel to the spirit world, whether it's through mediumship or anything like that. I always make sure to set my boundaries, be respectful, and make sure that I'm respected in turn. And that's just rules for life in general. Pretty common sense. And last but not least, my last spiritual rule, I guess if you want to call it, for using the Ouija board is just loosen up. It's okay to enjoy yourself and using these boards as long as you're respectful and you take the proper precautions and you're taking care of yourself and those around you. It's okay to have fun with this. It's okay to talk to the spirit world. They're around us all the time. They want to talk with us. They want to let us know that they're here, that they watch us, that they aren't up above in this 
crazy space in the clouds that they are beyond the veil, but that veil is literally right next to us. So don't be afraid if you might hear a couple of knocks on a wall, especially if you've asked for any type of communication during your Ouija board session. Allow the spirit world to show you the wonders, the mysteries beyond the veil and have a great time. So the Ouija board will always be just another divination tool. It's another way for us to go beyond that spiritual veil and use it with care. And the mysteries that lay within will definitely present themselves to you if you allow it. So that's all we have for today. Thank you so much for joining me here and talking about the origins and myths behind the Ouija board. We look forward to seeing you guys here again next week. And if you could do us a big favor, if you're listening to us today on YouTube, go ahead and hit that subscribe button. You can even click that notification bell and it'll let you know when we post another one of these podcast episodes up. And we just want to say thank you again for all the kind words and support that we've received. But before I go, I just wanted to say that I would love to hear about any Ouija board sessions that you have had, whether it was growing up to present day, and how using the board affected you. And if you would be willing to use the board today with any of these tips that we've mentioned here, let me know below in the comments, or you can head over to our Instagram or Facebook pages under the Mystical Moon Society and let us know over there. This is definitely a topic that I could talk about forever, but we hope you have a great week. Happy Halloween. Stay safe out there, you guys, and we will talk to you soon.